The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of the Recruiter's Lounge originally aired, uh, let's see, February 20th, 2008, and this was the original title. Uh, the Recruiter's Lounge podcast, Sexual Harassment with Women on Top. And this is the uh, original description. There are more women in managerial roles these days and more cases of sexual harassment being made. Coincidence? Gender revenge? Or just a new plot for crude adult films? You decide. I wonder. With unemployment going up, which groups are hurting the most? You probably already know. And finally, a debate. Should CEOs be able to command mega moolah if the company's value consistently goes into the toilet? Except no imitations, you will only find this kind of exciting, action-packed rhetoric in the Recruiter's Lounge. And you will be able to hear what was said way back on February 20th, 2008 by myself, Jim Stroud, and Karen Matten, right after this commercial message. Recruitment marketing, as compared to maybe employer branding, is all about getting your message and your story in front of the right audience. It's a lot to manage. And what Practive Talent does for our clients is we help centralize. So you have one partner, one vendor to help you manage all those relationships. And not only that, we help you track the effectiveness of every media dollar you spend on hiring so that you know in real time that you're getting the greatest ROI for your marketing investment to attract great talent into your company. We help our clients with recruitment marketing in a couple ways. One is in recruitment marketing strategy. And with that, we really take the time to help you build the right strategy. And then we get mutual approval on that strategy before you spend a single dime. The other way we do this is through our agency of record service. This is a partnership with you where we're able to reach out to publishers on your behalf to negotiate better pricing, to execute on media campaigns, uh, and really act as an extension of your team. Some of the benefits that our clients have seen working with Practic Talents Recruitment Marketing Services is an overall reduction of 30% cost per applicant. That's really significant. It's showing that we're able to leverage great technology, programmatic, and we're also flexible and scalable. We're platform agnostic. We're always gonna use whatever the greatest and latest technology is, whatever the best platforms are to help create efficiencies in your media purchasing so that you're always on the cutting edge. For more information on Proactive Talent, visit them online at proactivetalent.com or click the link in the podcast description. Innovative audio on demand. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. And this is Karen Matten, and welcome to the Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry. And it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. 
SGA, Executive Tracker Pro, is an online service providing contact information on thousands of executives at each of the top public and private companies. And here this people. It is 100%, yes, 100% telephone verified, constantly updated, highly accurate, and comprehensive. With SGA, Executive Tracker Pro, you have at your fingertips the contact information of C-level executives and all of those essential director and management level personnel that you just can't seem to find anywhere else. Listen up, people. SGA, Executive Tracker Pro, can dramatically shorten the amount of time it takes you to find the best leads. Hey, pick up the phone right now and give them a call. Tell them Jim Stroud said, I could have a free 15-minute online demonstration of your product. And I want to see it right now. The number you need to make that happen is 518-843-4611. That's 518-843-4611. And, of course, you can also find them online at www.sgaexecutivetracker.com. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Recruiter's Lounge. I'm your host, Jim Stroud, and sitting beside me, still drinking coffee ever since the last episode, <laughs> is Karen Madden. How are you, Karen? Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. Put the coffee down. I'm concerned that it's not decaf. Now, it isn't drinking. decaf. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because your caffeinated has you bouncing off the walls. I thought you'd like that. Uh, to an extent. Okay, again, every time I talk, I always got to tell people how patient and wonderful you are, too. Uh, I really do. Yeah. I'm a hard person to put up with, but you know what? No, you're not. Oh, see? I like that. <laughs> I was, okay, I was fishing for that. You know that, right? I was fishing. Uh, I was fishing. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. I needed it. Okay, go ahead. What do we have today? today. What's on our agenda? Okay, you, well, let's start off with what we were talking about just a minute ago before, before the show started about um, about women in the workplace. You were saying something about that? Yeah, well, I was talking about discrimination. It was kind of interesting that new statistics had come out, right? Mm. And they were saying that, you know, women had had been, um, that okay, if I can find it, really kind of weird, okay? Mm-hmm. I hate this when people, when you wonder when you can't find anything. Okay. They were talking about women who said 63, 66% of women executives said that they felt that they weren't receiving as many opportunities as men to become mm-hmm. company CEOs. Wait, where are you quoting from? Uh, Hans Callen. Okay. They are really getting lots of press recently, aren't they? Yeah, I know. And then they also said that 54.1% of the survey respondents re- representing both sexes, both men and women, are equally adept at managing employees, right? Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, also 51.2% of executives, female, responding to the survey said they'd experienced some form of sexual harassment. What percentage is that? 51%. Now, see, that's unfair because I've been working for a long time several years. Actually, I've been doing recruitment research for 10 years, Mm -hmm. and I have yet to be um, harassed sexually. Well... And I'm complaining about that. I guess... Well, I guess I can't complain now since I'm married, but prior to being married, 
<laughs> well, you know what? You know, you About could go ahead and complain a little bit more and ask them to take away from your salary. That might work. No, 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 no. I mean, that's but, one of the but, you know, before I got married, if I had a really attractive manager uh-huh. and they wanted to harass me before I was married, it would probably been interesting. Well, you know, i got a question to ask you about this. Okay. Yeah. You know, male sexual harassment has been going up I mean, to the tune like 15 to 20 percent, okay? Wait a men harassing women or women harassing men? Or it could be women harassing men or men harassing men, okay? Oh, that's, male that's unfair because I've never experienced that. Okay, well, here's an interesting I've, I've, I've 10 years never experienced that. Okay, he's begging for it, I guess. No, I'm, I'm not, because I'm happily married. Oh, you are? Well, by the way, but he is single, happily married. So what? I said you are happily married. You really are. Very happily married. So if it had happened when I was single, especially when I was in college, that, that could have been okay. But Well, the thing I, about it that's interesting about this, okay, let's hmm. go back to this. I really find this interesting, because going with what you were saying, here's a I'd like to hear the conversation that, let's say that the guy's got this gorgeous, gorgeous wife. Mm-hmm. And his boss is also equally gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And she's hitting on him. And he's now telling all the people that, I'd love to hear the conversation that the man's having with his male, other male buddies. I just turned my my bosses in, my boss in for sexual harassment. You mean the beautiful woman that works for you? Yeah. You work under? Yeah. Dude, say, dude, you're an idiot. Yeah, no, I can, I'd love to hear that conversation. Okay, you know, guys, guys would say, dude, you're so stupid. Why didn't you? Oh, she's so hot. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that? But isn't this also, but kind of like stereotyping, though? Isn't that just so bad? Because well, men shouldn't complain about. Well, you know what? You put an example of, of the boss being hot. Now, what if she's not so hot? I'm wondering if she was a guy. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, but let's yeah. go back well, to Yeah, well, yeah, let's go on that a minute. Yeah, what if he was a guy, and um, and he was obviously gay, and 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 the employer employee was was straight, and the guy says, "Hey, come on over here, let's let's do some late hour uh, work or something like and that." You're so str- and you're so stressed. Let me rub, rub your back for you, right? Yeah, I'm like, no. No, let's just, let's just <laughs> that kind of thing would would start a fight. Can I go back a second, though? Right. Let's just say that you, she is the most gorgeous woman your boss, let's say, let's okay? Let's And she's I like got 36D boobs, and Ooh. she's wearing her dresses all tight and everything. Oh, baby. Okay, but hold on. But she, but you're, you know, you just mentioned several times you're happily married. I am. Okay, and so the thing is, I mean, your wife comes into the boss, your office now and again to see you. And she sees this woman hitting on you, and she's putting... Oh, well, see, no, that wouldn't happen in my case, because I would have stopped it. Exactly. Well, you, obviously you would stop it, but it doesn't, cause she doesn't stop. She's threatening you with your job now. Uh, so my, first thing I would do is tell my wife so it wouldn't interfere with at home. Exactly. And then I would um, talk to her boss or talk to um, HR. So where I was going with this, though, is to see, it's so unfair because here we made the stereotype about, oh, can you imagine the conversation with the guys, you know? But yet, you know... Being realistic, gorgeous or not, she could really make a marriage come comfortable. She can make your body, even though she may be beautiful. What if the guy was, okay, what what if she was hot and single and he was hot and single? Well, hot to her. Uh-huh. You know, and um, what about that? I guess the same thing could apply, but I guess it would be easier I guess his friends would give him more kudos if he was single and she was doing this to him. Well, then, but would it be harassment? If it still could be harassment because be he may be hot and single, but he just doesn't want her, and he wants to get maybe get her job or he wants to get promoted, but he doesn't want because can you imagine the office gossip or something like this too? Oh, dude, you're just gonna get you're gonna get promoted because you're doing the boss. 
that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stress that comes from this. But it, but see, I think that's why some companies frown on office romance because of the, the possibility of that happening. Well, I just tell you one thing. I think it must be harder for men to report than women. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I do. I think that there's just a stigma. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I'm glad. It's, it's going to hit the ego belt, you know. It's like uh, it, it just it, it would just be weird. Yeah, I, would, I mean, and I feel sorry for guys. I mean, because the <laughs> thing is, it's the same. Kind and let me clarify. Let me clarify that. It would be weird if she was hot, and I was single, and I turned it down, and it'd be hard for me to. It, it would be kind of it'd be kind of weird, I would think. And it's also going to be weird to even talk about it if it's a guy. Right. And it's definitely weird even if she's not attractive. Not well, 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 well. If she's not attractive, I don't know if there'll be as much of a problem, as as bad as that may sound for me to say. Yeah, but then again, if she is unattractive, though, the fact that she's hidden on you, you know, a lot of guys have a problem with that, too, though. They don't want to admit that the unattractive woman finds them hot. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's how guys are. I mean, guys are very, you know, into image and stuff, right? You know, kind of. I'm kind of like doing this. I mean, we're, we're going to get some really interesting email on this, I can tell you. <laughs> you know, we're doing some major stereotyping here. But that's just it. This is what we're talking about is regarding stereotyping. Male harassment claims are going up tremendously and fast. And yet, you know, even me and you having this conversation we're doing some major stereotyping that these guys must be feeling and doing some of these claims. Uh, That's so weird. I, you know, I don't even think, of, I mean, this may be bad to say, too, so this might be really anti-PC, but I don't even, I've never heard of a guy being harassed by another woman on the job. I'm sure it happens. Obviously, you have a stats there. I've never heard it happen. Never. I work for big I, companies. I work for big, big corporations, small businesses, things in between. Never heard it. I, I I think that the reason you've never heard of it is the reason that it was very rarely reported is because guys, because of the things that we're discussing right now, guys are too embarrassed to discuss it. Well, that's true. I mean, you I know, we're that. giving the perfect reason, and we're explaining the perfect reason by by what we're saying why a guy would want to be humiliated by this. Hmm. He wouldn't want to discuss it with you. He probably doesn't even want to go into the office and discuss it at work. Or, or he doesn't even want to go into the EU office and rehash the whole situation because he's probably thinking he's strange or weird. Why, you know, like, well, I, mean, I can't control myself. I'm a guy. I'm a man. Men aren't supposed to be sexually harassed. Well. That only happens to women, you know. Or it only happens in, in bad porno movies. Or bad porno movies. <laughs> Isn't that like the perfect porno scenario? No, it probably is. <laughs> See, I don't know. Maybe that's just my bad thinking. Pray okay. for me, but that's just that's we just what I think about. We get all right, from anybody who decides to do this. <laughs> we have now put it out there. We have licensed. We when we publish this, this is a published idea. Okay? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that is that's funny though. Yeah, but that would be a very interesting. That's, that's, well, yeah. I mean, it's the thing is, it's like, I think that's the reason. You said you've never heard it happen, Mm-mm. and yet it's going up 15%, so it's happening. Yep. And you know what? I think, too, consider this. Okay, a lot of women are bucking the trend and trying to go ahead and say, okay, I don't want to be sexually harassed. Sexual harassment's rate's still high. Right. I'm going to go make my own office. I'm going to build my own company. So 
women or go work at Nordstrom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, I'm going to go ahead and build my own company. Like, women building co- own companies are still like the fastest growing segment, right? So, hold on, let me let me explain that for someone who didn't hear the last po- the last podcast. Uh, we talked about the best companies to work for according to Fortune, Fortune magazine, and Nordstrom's was was high on the list because it uh, had a lot of women executives and a lot of women in management positions. So. Uh, I mentioned that. It was 53%, wasn't it? Yeah. This is for people who like, what do you mean Nordstrom's? So Nordstrom is very, very female-friendly. Uh, there you go. Okay, go ahead. Okay, well, anyways, so all these women are bucking the system and creating all these companies. Okay, in fact, women businesses are also one of the largest um, um, employee um, employee. What's the word? Uh, you know, having having more employees, having tons of employees, women will get own businesses. I can't even think of the word. Keep, keep going, keep going. Okay, anyway, thank you. <laughs> so, mm. the thing, okay, I'm quitting from the coffee. Okay, so I could see with all these new women managers coming into the workplace and all these women own businesses. Yeah, I could see it happening more often now. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Mm-hmm. And now with the internet and the, everybody getting on the internet and getting to see, hey, you know, I got how here's resources and here's my recourses and stuff like that. I bet you more and more people are feeling more comfortable about complaining now. You know what I should put right here? We should we should insert some some bad disco music. What? <laughs> Something you wanted to talk about in our last show, we didn't get. You know, I totally forgot about it now. Okay, I remember now. I'm moving on, okay? <laughs> I'm actually blushing here, okay? <laughs> I can't believe me. I'm blushing. Let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. All right, back to business. Okay, back to business. In your last podcast, we were going to talk about something when we were we had been discussing as well. Yes, we have some more interesting conversations. That's right, that's right. And, and I got to make a note to myself to tell my wife not to listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, actually, what was also interesting, what Tim always gets mad at me about, because mm. he's always like, we're getting these conversations. He's like, save it for the podcast, save it for the podcast. That's right. We should be recording now. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember what it was. I remember what it was. Now, uh, do you know how you can make millions of dollars? Do you know that you can? Do you know that you can make millions of dollars as an HR executive? I know. I mean, oh my gosh, that is so bad. It was. Uh, I'm telling people what we're talking about because they weren't privy to our earlier conversation. Uh, I read this. Uh, actually, I had a guest blogger, a guy named Brian Sommer. Hello, Brian. How are you? And he uh, had a very interesting uh, article that um, got a lot of comments. He talked about. Uh, top the pay of top HR executives over at Home Depot. Millions. And <laughs> millions. Well, it wasn't just Home Depot, but Home Depot is the one that I focused on. Well, we're not just talking about salaries. I don't know. Okay, let, me, let, me, let me do it. Let me do it. Like uh, top HR executives over at Home Depot received a total compensation package of five million, five million eight hundred four thousand and eighty-one dollars. I thought they got some other stuff too, like they you know, did. Yes. They so also, just, they also reported. Hold on, hold on. They also reported to, to have received an additional twelve million nine hundred eighty-seven thousand two hundred forty-two dollars yep. in other compensation. I don't know what that other compensation. Stock was. options, et cetera, et cetera, uh, et cetera. That's like, woo. I don't now, kind can of, I say something? Um, when I, what, what, do you, what do you think they did to warrant that kind of money? First off, I want to interject something to recruiters. To all those recruiters out there who think HR isn't important anymore and you should try to go ahead and go around HR, 
This is reasons why you don't go around HR. You know what? If you do the math on that, all that, all those millions, uh, if you do it like a cost slash employee basis, how much it was worth? Uh-huh. The Home Depot executive was costing the company about fifty-two dollars per employee that mm-hmm. they're uh, administrating over. I mean, what was that? an employee. That's that's a big sum. I mean, what I'm surprised, and you talk about Home Depot, and I like, you know, the reason we're kind of picking on Home Depot. Has anybody been in Home Depot recently? Sorry. I mean, try to get some help in there sometimes. Oh, yeah, I have heard about that. You know, they, I, I, someone commented on that particular blog post, and they said that um, sometimes Home Depot, at least I guess it depends on, on, on the HR position, but they'll have them actually work on the floor for a period of time. Really? The HR? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mean HR manager, not the dang CEO. No, this, this is, I'm, I'm going to read the comment that was on the blog post, and I'll, of course, link to it from the um, from the site. That, um, this one person who, I guess, is anonymous, called themselves Poker, said, I interviewed someone who had worked HR at Home Depot. He said that part of his permanent job duties was to work in the store stocking shelves and performing general clerk duties. End quote. Hmm. Did they maybe get promoted to HR? I don't know. He said, sorry, I'm all for HR knowing the business and having empathy for employees, but this is ridiculous. Sounded to me that it was more of a cheap way for the organization to get extra help at expense of full-time HR attention. I don't know. I, I kind of find that kind of interesting. Maybe it was just that particular office because I don't see, because, I mean, I almost applied a long time ago for an HR job, and, I mean, that, that, that would have been unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a kind of a great idea to have them try to be empathetic, but, sorry, that's a little bit too empathetic. I mean, can you imagine a doctor having to go through cancer to, and having to suffer it so that they could treat their client, their patients better? I, I mean, I don't know. That kind of seems like. Well, that's just a comment that someone made. And I, I just don't see that. I mean, HR, you can't be too empathetic. You have to be able to say you're fired and not feel it. Well, Can you imagine having to fire being so empathetic and firing 500 or 550 people from one particular department because you had an, and you're empathetic? I, I think that would be rather challenging. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I, I have a hard time of thinking myself in HR. I can't bear the thought of giving the pink slip to people. Wow. I mean, but back to salaries. Let's go back to this. I mean, as you yeah, said. I mean, what is worth that kind of compensation? What is an HR person doing? Yeah, I mean, it's like, and, I mean, and if. Yeah, hold on, that's not, not the bash, the hardworking HR people who listen and subscribe to this podcast uh, in any way. But I, I do have to ask, is it worth that much money? And then, yeah, I mean, and uh, like, can I also kind of like reflect to like, for example, and I'm bringing this up for a reason. Okay, we're talking about sexual harassment and stuff like that too. Right. I'm going back to Walmart, but there are 1.75 million plaintiffs lawsuits. Okay, and that's 1.75 million plaintiffs in this lawsuit. Right. That are suing Walmart, and they're all women, mind you, mm. that had never been in management positions or didn't get promotions or raises, et cetera. Okay. Right. The appellate court in California said they're going to let this lawsuit go through. Now, my question is, okay, Walmart has gone through a rash of lawsuits, and they have lost a tremendous rash of lawsuits, and they have had to provide huge settlements. One, I mean, we're talking tunes of hundreds of millions in each state, okay, for discrimination cases. My question is, HR, what were you guys doing? Where are you guys? Well, where were you? Or was it that your CEOs don't listen to you? And if your CEOs aren't listening to you, and they're going ahead and say we're doing business because we see fit, then what's the purpose of you being there? Oh, so this, so HR should have been the um, preventative measures 
um, well before any kind of thought of a lawsuit come up because they should have squashed it early on. Well, I mean, that's what it stands for, human resource. Hmm. Okay, so my question is, I mean, because you ate, because if Walmart, I mean, from if I'm owning a lot of stock in Walmart, and I don't, but let's say if I do own a lot of stock in them, okay, and I see that Walmart keeps getting all these lawsuits, which they are, based upon their human capital, which they've been getting a lot of them, and having to settle these millions and millions and hundreds and billions of dollars. My question would be, why, what's wrong with this HR group? Or why aren't they having more power over their CEOs? And if there's a VP of HR sitting in those CEO organization in those boardrooms meetings, why don't they have more power? If they're, if they're making that much money. And that's a lot of money. I mean, that is a lot of money. So for that much money, we shouldn't be having, I would say, for example, like Walmart, they shouldn't be suffering that many lawsuits. Hmm. So is it that the, so either it's the HR is ineffective or the CEO is just not listening to them? And if the CEO is not listening to much, let's go back to the well, let's back to pay. The CEO should be listening to them after after you get hit by one lawsuit. You should be listening to them every day. Well, the thing about it is, I mean, we're talking class action lawsuits in a lot of cases here. Walmart had a tremendous amount of class action lawsuits last year and the year before and the year before that. Okay. Yeah. And um, based a lot of on pay, a lot of it's been based on gender, um, a lot of big issues going on, overtime issues, you know. It's been, in fact, one one outfit. They locked their people in the office. It's a cleaning crew, and they said you can't leave until you're finished. Kind of like <laughs> I think it was a cleaning crew with employees. It was weird. Are you serious? No, I'm totally dead serious. In another situation, there was where allegedly they've been threatening these women and saying, "Hey, you have to record that we didn't keep, we did pay you overtime. We didn't um, ask you to stay overtime, and if you don't record the message, we're going to go ahead and fire you." That's what allegedly has been said, okay? Wow. Um, based upon what I heard, you know, the courts are accepting that this is what happened because there was a cease and desist order on Walmart that they couldn't do this to the employees and basically terrorize them, okay? Wow. I mean, Walmart has, <laughs> allegedly, Walmart has a tremendous history in having these problems. Or, now, let's, or at the very least, have a history of hiring bad managers. Right. Now, the thing is, now, when that's a question, the question was, and this is how they fought it, they said in California public court, well, you know, you can't blame the whole company based upon certain offices. It's not a, co- it's not a company or, you know, system that we put in place. Right. Well, actually, the appellate court says, no, we think it's kind of basically, yeah, you have this system in place that continues to have this pervasive issue. You know, it's like either you're not training these people properly or you're training them, you are training them improperly to do this, return on your investment, okay? It's like go ahead and pay the lawsuit because it's worth more in our investment to have these people do this stuff kind of a thing, right? Yeah. So, in other words, the situation is now Walmart settles a lot too, by the way, which doesn't mean that they're guilty, Okay, i got to tell you something. It just you know, means they wanted to go away and go on back and do other things. It usually means that it's cheaper to settle than it is to go through the court system. Sure. Okay, and that's usually the case. But the, they always say, we sell, but it doesn't mean we're guilty. We're not going to admit guilt. That's what a lot of time happens, okay? Right. But um, they're settling big sometimes recently, okay? But i got to tell you, I mean, let's go back to this. Either you, you've got the CEO of HR making that kind of money, and you got the CEO of the company himself making that tremendous amount of money. Yeah. And the company's losing money in the long run. 
for all these lawsuits. For all these lawsuits, you got to ask yourself, what are companies doing paying these executives so much money? And why aren't you paying them based upon a performance instead? Ah, which is how you would prefer, I guess. Well, I guess it makes sense, actually. So if, if an employee um, does X amount of projects or items or what have you, mm-hmm. they generate so much money for the company mm-hmm. to be compensated uh, proportionately. Yeah, because, I mean, let's take Bob Nardelli, okay? Yep. Uh, most Tell people might know that Nardelli Bob... Is. Pardon? Tell people who he is. Well, Bob Nardelli, he's one of the most famous CEOs out there, okay? Um, Home Depot. Okay? Bob Nardelli was ousted out of Home Depot because he helped uh, see that the performance of the stock fall 7.9%. But then the shareholders were all kind of pissed off and saying, look, you know, you've got this huge, enormous salary, and way overblown, and we think you should be kicked out of this situation um, because you shouldn't be making this much money because we're not seeing any profit. Well, get what this, though. Mm. When he left, oh, by the way, he made $123 million, excluding stock options he received, by the way, okay? They, when they fired him, they gave him $123 million to go away? No, that's how much. It was basically the six-year tenure that he had. Mm-hmm. When seven when the stock falls seven point nine percent, he had an enormous pay package. That's his total pay package was one twenty three million, um, you know, basically a year almost. Wow. Okay. Now he did when he left. I'm not sure exactly how much his golden parachute was, but he got compensated a couple hundred million, I believe it was, just to leave. If someone out there wants to pay me two million dollars just to leave, mm-hmm. I'll take it. Do you want to know what's sad? That right. in 1980, CEO pay was 40 times that the average blue-collar pay. 40 times worth? 42 times. Well, you know what? But, 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 but guess what it is today? What? In 2006, CEO pay was 364 times uh, the same workers' pay. It's the largest see? gap in the world. But see, okay, here we go. It depends on who the CEO is and what they deliver. If you have a Bill Gates, for example, running mm-hmm. your company, mm-hmm. and he puts the company on the map and takes it to a global enterprise and makes it to a you know several billions of dollars you know in profit every month, then he deserves that amount of money. Okay, now let's then go back to what we were talking about: performance-related pay. Because, I mean, if you want to go ahead and hire people like, for example, um, Mike Orvitz or DeMar Nardelli or Hank McNillo, who are all these huge CEOs mm-hmm. who saw their companies completely falter and fail, and they definitely didn't deserve the golden parachutes they got when they left, okay, let's look at GM. Okay, how they're firing tons of people, and their CEO still keeps getting more and more money. Okay, so if we were to instead go look at companies like Ceradyne, Whole Foods Market, Joanne Stores, Digi International, these are companies who pay their CEOs based upon performance. And is their pay forty times more than their average blue collar worker? They're still paid hundred well, times rather. 
they are still paid quite a amount of money. But, like, for example, Sarah Dine, Joel Moskowitz was paid an average of just 766 over the past three years, but their stock shot up 90, 924%. But then he'll also get some stock options. See, that might be his base salary, but he'll get a whole bunch of bonus and stock options, et cetera, and other options to allow him to be – it's kind of like you work hard and you do really good instead of going home and watching Oprah, okay, and twiddling your fingers, okay, we'll pay you. Did you say watch Oprah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I mean, I mean, I can just see. I mean, it's like this is kind of like what I see in sales, for example, too. I see yeah. these companies, like for example, my clients' competitors, like a Honeywell or a Johnson, stuff like that. They pay these massive, massive, huge salaries. I call right. them the golden parachute, the golden handcuffs. Okay. Mm-hmm. They create have these huge, massive salaries, and these candidates, these employees, they don't sell extremely well. And these guys, companies, wonder why aren't they selling that great. But then you have these other companies who pay lower salaries but give these huge bonuses and commissions, okay, based upon their sales. Hmm. And guess what? These people go out there and they're driven by their sales numbers, and they're going to go ahead and try to make sure they drive harder and harder and harder to win those bonuses and commissions and et cetera because that's how their main income comes in. Hmm. And I guess the reason I look at this this way personally is because I work on straight sales commissions, you know? Right. And so I'm owning my own company. My actions make it how much I make. What I do, if I work, I make money. If I don't work, I don't. So let's come back to these CEOs. I mean, here you have right now the American middle class is, is literally dissolving. It's just gone. We're fading. American wages actually reduced last year. But the CEO salaries are consistent and growing. Yeah. I mean, American wages actually decreased last year. Do you also know what's amazing, too? What? You know how they keep saying that unemployment was 4.5%? Yep. But literally the jobs that actually were in the workforce were less last year than they were 2006 by over a million and a half. How would you explain that? Well, back to workforce per thousand, I mean, payroll per thousand, they're going to count people who are actually employed or unemployed, but they're, they know, but then they got to base it on the jobs instead. Mm-hmm. But they don't do that. You know, the Department of Labor doesn't look at actually how many jobs and how many people are working on those jobs, which is what the economists use. And so, like, California put it out right recently in a really good alert that, that said, we have so many less jobs than we have and based upon the population. The supply and demand is just not there. It's not equaling out anymore. So do you see the um, job market being more as a starting to turn to a company market as opposed to uh, a job seeker market? It's been like that for so long. Listen to this. For all of 2007, the economy added 1.3 million new jobs. That is a million fewer than were added in 2006. Yet we had more people coming into the country. We had more people moving in. We gave a lot more H-1B visas. Yet we had that many new, less new jobs. Each month throughout 2007, employers across the country added an average of 111,000 jobs. But in December, that growth stopped abruptly with the nation's business adding only 18,000 new jobs. But yet, Somehow or the other, unemployment stayed at 
I'm sorry. That, I just make me so angry, you know, because we are not this youth, this super economy that people kept thinking we are. And last year, I mean, we were talking miserable. That's that's just terrible. And unfortunately, the largest unemployment numbers were blacks. Do you know, I'm sorry to say this, okay, but blacks right now were at 10.8 in unemployment. Now we talked about that at length too. Sorry, eight point I want to revisit that conversation because we were we were going over different figures, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. We were saying how that um, one group, I think, uh, was it that white women were making more money than their male counterparts in the beginning, but towards the end, they the male counterparts made more than they did. Actually, this is okay. Let's start and, with something and interesting. And also, for minorities of the same case as well. Well, actually, what's interesting is let's start with that. But you made a good point too. Minority women, Asians and Blacks, make more money than their white female counterparts when they get out of college. Unless they're in Britain. Unless they're in Britain, which complete reverse. Right. By twenty six percent, complete reverse. Right. We're so talking twenty six percent less income. Okay. Yeah. Now, for some reason, having an education when you're a minority woman and you're getting out of college is going to be a better opportunity. But it changes for women, for the white woman as well as the white male, okay, as well. Um, women, by the way, coming out of college will make almost equal to the are similar to their male counterpart, about ninety percent, okay, ninety one percent, okay. But, but then over time, it's, it stabilizes and stagnates. Um, completely goes backwards. Right. It goes negative. Um, you'll, after six, after about five to six years, you'll see it then reduce to seventy-one cents to every dollar. That is so weird. I guess it's because the, the good old boy network, as you like to call it, um, they look out for their other good old boys and no one else. Is that what you think that is? I think um, it's just that men are always going to be the first one, and then we were talking about that in, in the other show. Men are always going to be the first one to get promoted. Now, now, could it be that uh, a part of the reason for that is because some uh, large group of women may decide to take time off and start a family and and do other things? Um, well, you know, I was going to that be that part that. of it as well. Well, yeah, because I mean, one of the things that they said, economists and sociologists also suggest the possible factors about these women is that the tendency of minority women, especially blacks, to do to more often hold more than one job or work more than forty hours a week. And the tendency of black professional women who take time off to have a child to return to the workforce sooner than others. That's quite ask, interesting. Let me ask you this. Let me look at it from the from the. Uh, I'll take on the role of the evil employer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now let's say um, I have only so much of a head count, and I have so many candidates I can bring on, mm-hmm. and I I have some really good candidates, both men and women, uh, for the role. Let's say they're both equally um, both equally could do the task. I'm going to think, okay. I can hire this woman into this manager role, and I'm thinking that she'll come on, she'll she'll, she'll uh, make some ways, make it happen, but eventually she's going to have children, or she's going to she's going to change her mind about her career and, and do the mom thing, then I have to start all over again. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I hire this guy, I don't have to think about that because stereotypically thinking, if he gets married, he's still going to stay there. If his child, if his, if he, if he's expecting children in his life, he'll still be there, and more than likely, uh, stereotypically, the 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 woman will be home taking care of the kid, and the man will be here on the job, regardless of the situation. So it's a safer bet for me to invest in this guy for the role 
because then I want to have certain worries that I would with the woman. Okay, now let me come back to that question. Have you guys not, it's like, that is so old school because well, I'm just saying, more men are taking I'm even a lawyer, so I'm just, I'm just that's, I'm, I know. that's what my companies think. I know, but here's the problem. More men are taking paternity leave. But that is on the upswing. Okay, paternity leave is when a man can go ahead and take time off to be with his wife or to be with the kid. But when the baby's still, born, but so but mommy it, takes some time, and then now it, daddy comes. But, see, but it's still, uh, although it is on the upswing, and I've, I have read articles about that, it's still an anomaly because it gets on the front page of newspapers. I mean, no, I think it's because an anomaly because that's the old school thinking. I mean, that because one of the researchers, I, I, and I don't have that in front of me, but one of the research that I had read earlier last week was that more more women say, look, it was like, like only 10 or 15% said, you know, I would not come back on to the job or something like that, you know. I mean, more and more women say, no, I, this job is important to me. I've got to raise these kids. I've got to have a cow suit. You know, I've got to take care of the family. I mean, there's a lot more women who are out there making more money than their husbands. That doesn't mean that they're making more money than the men that they're working with, but it's more making more money than their husbands. Women are marrying down more and more, by the way. Okay? Marrying down? Yeah, we like control. We like control. <laughs> it's a control thing. <laughs> Oh gosh! It is. I'm sorry. It hasn't happened in my family. My husband still wants to. You know, he's definitely in the, he, he's a macho man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a poor husband, but anyways. Remember, you're, you're you're on dangerous ground as well. And I'm moving away from this real fast. Anyways, so there's a lot more women who actually are making more money than their husbands. And yes, I'm serious. We are quotation quotation mark marrying down in that aspect. If we want to look at it that way, okay. Mm. And so the thing is. We are kind of like a predominant bad winner. Now, also what's kind of interesting, too, you see, back in the 70s, I could see that being an issue because the husband used to be the main breadwinner. And if people got poor, people got the, or the house was going up for, you know, they couldn't make the house payments or somebody got sick or somebody was going to die or whatever, the wife could always go back to work and help solve, save the marriage and save the home and help bring the bills. An argument what the man was doing. Yeah, because that the man was the predominant breadwinner, right? Okay, so now your argument is that since that picture has reversed, it's, it's even more unfair for women to get paid less because now they're becoming the more predominant breadwinner. Well, not just that. Women today are in the workforce. Right. Today, 90% of women pretty much are in the workforce. Okay, they're working right there side by side with their husbands. So now there's a two-family income, and guess what? Instead of now depending on just one income, we're depending on two incomes to pay the bills. And so well, if mommy got sick or daddy gets sick, there's nobody to help save the bills. Right. So the thing is, now today the woman has to work, not because she wants to. She's working because she has to. Hmm. And so there's the difference that lies between the 70s and today. I today have to work because I'm helping being a full-blown contribution to our family and our bills. to help pay for the cars, to help pay for the house, to pay for the electricity, what have you. But before, I didn't, you know, back in the 70s, I was living in the 70s, and I was raising the kids and eating bonbons and watching Lucy on TV, okay, I didn't. I, if my husband got hurt on the job, then I could kind of like go. You know, maybe it's time for me to work and help save the house. Hmm. So there's the difference. Today we have to. It's an obligation and a necessity, and we need to because also, unfortunately, 
based upon recession issues, my husband is making less and you're and you are. And every man in America pretty much is making less than their grandfather was based upon inflation. Adjusted for inflation. Hmm. Oh no, so the thing is the American dream is going but yet this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yet homes, the prices of homes have gone up over two thousand percent. The bubble is blowing and burst. Yeah, I mean the thing is, so here we have homes going up two thousand percent, and in the last twenty years we haven't seen a raise in salaries. Women having to have to work, daycare is so damn expensive, and yet we're still being women, especially by the men are being completely, well, actually, women also get totally, totally um, discriminated by other women, too. Well, no, I mean, in fact, do you know that there was a tendency for women to actually even discriminate more against other women? Oh, yeah. Now, I mean, that, that I can easily say. Yeah, I mean, that's actually true. Other women, the women are so competitive, and it's a lot of women managers will keep some women down. Yeah. And that's really, really, really sad. Yeah. So, you know, I can't blame men only for her discrimination in the workplace. Clock on the wall says we're running out of time. Oh, okay. Uh, this is one this one went by pretty fast. How long was this one? Uh I don't know. Long enough. Okay. On the <laughs> That didn't come out right. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Any questions or comments? Uh, in regards to the Curtis Lounge, feel free to give me an email. Please don't uh, sue us for sexual harassment, okay? <laughs> <laughs> You can email me at jimstroud, J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D, at jimstroud.com. Or if you want to reach Karen specifically and write uh, with her one-on-one, <laughs> you can reach her by email at Karen, K-A-R-E-N, also at jimstroud.com. So uh, any parting words, Karen M.? You know, I just kind of see we're wishing one day we'd see some changes in the world workplace. I really am, but it's still not there yet. But, you know, we'll keep fighting for it. Until then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or (laughs) just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay, cool. Until next time, bye-bye. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food. Whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.